The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. So the Chief Executive of the DAA, the Dublin Airport Authority, Dalton Phillips, has just finished at the Oroctus Committee and he joins us now here on The Last Word. Thank you for joining us. And the first thing I want to ask you is, given your experience of recent months of knowing about the lengthy queues and the reasons behind them, given that you would have known how many flights were going out of Dublin Airport on Sunday and how many people were on them, how could you have allowed yourself to get into the situation where you had queues of people for four and five hours trying to get to their flights? So we are, well, good evening, first of all, Matt. We are deeply uh, sorry for what happened on Sunday. And, uh, you know, I unreservedly apologise to every customer, uh, passenger, and, of course, every staff member who had to be part of that. It's not what we aspire to at Dublin Airport. We can do much, much better, and we have done much better. And, in fact, throughout May... Like 45%, oh, sorry, 94% of all people traveling through May have been getting in through security in under 45 minutes. But on Sunday, we had a confluence of errors. One was a, a mistake that we made in our own planning system where we, had re, where we had allocated resources or we had people down on our roster that actually weren't available to work. There was a, there was a mistake, and the, the bottom line is that we didn't have enough people on the Sunday. Now, we've, we've been ramping up at such a huge rate. Nobody had ever expected this level of return to traffic. Uh, it was unheard of. There wasn't a commentator across Europe that would said this, you know, this would happen. And as we know, right across Europe, all airlines and all large airports are facing the same issue. And we had a very bad Sunday, and we're deeply sorry for it. Now, there are some who might argue that they did expect a bounce back. Reiner in particular was saying that there would be an immediate return to people travelling once COVID restrictions were lifted. But let's roll back a little bit because the government put in place in the early days of the COVID pandemic special payments to try and make sure that companies would hold on to their employees. You engaged in May in 2020 in a major redundancy programme which lost many people from security, the people who you've since struggled to replace. Given that you're a state-owned entity and that you were in receipt of money to keep employees, why did you get rid of people who it is now quite clear you needed? So we're a state-owned company, but we're, we have a fully commercial mandate. We do not receive anything incremental from the government um, over and above what is available to any other commercial enterprise out there. And in 2020, as you know, we had armed guards preventing people travel uh, out of the country for unnecessary reasons. Um, and we were losing a million euros every single day. Um, and as... 2020 continued, it became apparent that there was going to be no quick recovery in aviation. In fact, all leading analysts, uh, banks, economists said that aviation wouldn't bounce back until 2024 or 2025. And when you're losing a million euros a day and when you're totally dependent on the debt markets for raising capital, you have to downsize. And what we did is we decided that we would reduce our headcount by 25 percent which would get us to about 70 percent of uh, you know we, we would 
we would staff ourselves to 70% of what we had been in 2019 because all the commentators said that at best traffic could come back to about 70%. So even when we downsized, we had still, we were, you know, for all of 2021, we had 70% staffed for 20% of the traffic. So we were way overstaffed in 2021, but we kept that going. When we got into 2022, um, as you'll remember, January, Omnicrom, February, Ukraine, cost of living, there was real concern in the market that aviation wouldn't come back this year. In fact, the government put an incentive program for airlines, which was nearly 100 million euros, to the airlines to incentivize them to try and travel. And then in March, it all took off. Um, and April and May have been incredibly strong. We are now in Terminal 1 in Dublin Airport at 95% of what we were in 2019. So we're back essentially to pre-pandemic levels, and we have not been able to catch up. And you're, you know, if I'd known, if I, you know, if I'd known then what I know now, of course I wouldn't have reduced our headcount by 25%. There's not a chance. But there was no thing, you know, there was there was no data to suggest that this was going to come back, Matt, until 2024. Okay, and and that's the situation we're in. But did you rehire people or hire replacements on lower rates than the people that you had gotten rid of? So we uh, bring people in at a, a their, their rate of pay is scaled, so they come in at fourteen fourteen per hour and they rise up until approximately 21 euros. So it's an incremental improvement uh, uh, over, over a period of time. So there would have been people who were at a high pay scale who voluntarily, because it was a VSS scheme, so it's a voluntary scheme, would have decided to have left. And yes, we would be hiring in. But if people didn't want to leave, they didn't have to leave. Um, it was a voluntary, but we needed to, to downsize. And the reality now is that we're in this very difficult situation, Matt, which is the country wants to travel, and we want the country to travel. But we, we are very short on security screeners because nobody expected this. And it's a specialized role. You or I just couldn't become a screener overnight. It takes time. And so the choices for the country are, do, do we just do mass cancellations, like take uh, what's going on in Schiphol in Amsterdam in the Netherlands where they're just reducing flights. Do we do that and guarantee that people can get through security and, uh, you know, in a short period of time because we've just taken, cancel taken capacity out? Uh, or, do we, or do we try and absolutely do our best to, to get people traveling and through the airport and make their flights? And that's what we're trying to do. And, it, and on, on Sunday, we had a major mistake but sorry, I just want to clarify, the €14 Euro an hour that you're now paying, is that a lower rate of pay than applied to those who have been let go? And also to the people who have been brought on, are they working fewer hours than those who used to work in those jobs? No, so the 1414 was there previously. Look, it obviously moves up every year you know, as we negotiate with our union partners. But no, we've had 4,000 people apply for roles in our security um, division. And of course, it's not just the rate of pay. It's a, it, you, we've got a, a very strong uh, pension scheme. We've got a profit share and a gain share. We've got sick pay coverage. So there's a whole series of benefits, Matt. So people want to come and work for us. Um, and in terms of hours, our contracts are, so it's a minimum of 30 hours. 
up to 40. Now, if you're in the company at the moment, you can work as many hours as you want. We want everybody on 40 hours. And in fact, we are doing overtime at triple time. So our overtime is triple time for anybody who will work those extra hours. But the reality is we just don't have enough security screeners uh, in, in the organization at the moment. We're recruiting about 30 a week are arriving trained, but it's taking time. And therefore, the proposition that we're offering our passengers is not what we would have had pre-pandemic. Uh, how, how many of your trainers took redundancy? Is that an issue now that you don't actually have enough people to offer the training because those who used to do it took redundancy? No, we've got a, we've got a complement of trainers. Um, our, our bottleneck is, is really the training is hard. Um, it takes five weeks. Uh, it's, it's, it, it's hard work. Um, and it has to be because in security you can't have any um, you, you know, there's no room for complacency. It's got to be right, and obviously we're heavily uh, regulated by the IAA. Um, but look, we're, we're recruiting, but we are about 167 officers short of where we need to be to give the travelling public the proposition that they would expect. And of course, we're like many other airports, okay. as you know, right across Europe. 167 short. How long will it take to fill all those vacancies? So at the, uh, we, we expect to have all those vacancies filled by the end of June. Um, and so in parallel, what we're doing is obviously we're, 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 we're really, really leaning on our current security team, which are just doing, I can't, Matt, I can't even begin to tell you how hard they're working and how you know, hard they're putting their shoulders to the wheel. We've brought up security screeners from Cork. We have a task force of people who work in offices, um, who are all out doing a 3 a.m. shift or a 7 a.m. shift, and myself included, we all do shifts in security. And there are certain roles which aren't certified that we can do. For example, you can, do, you can collect the trays um, at the end of the process and help return them, or you can help in divestiture, which is where you help people put their bags onto the screening belt. So we're, we're doing a number of different things where everybody's putting their shoulders to the wheel. But the bottom line is we have a gap of about 170 uh, people and um, we're working our way through that, but it's taking time. Sorry, are, are you confident that the pay and the terms and conditions are going to be sufficiently attractive to get the right people to fill those, what you describe as highly specialised jobs? Uh, yes, I am, because we've got 4,000 applications for these roles, uh, and I, I meet these new teams. In fact, I met yesterday. We had a new class came in um, from all walks of, of society, um, young and old, um, and all really interested in working in the airport. It's a very unique and dynamic work environment, uh, and people really enjoy it. We've got but all sorry, sorts of Dalton, development programs. If it's such a good, unique, dynamic environment, why are you leaving it to take up another job? Because I have a government contract which has a maximum of seven years. In fact, I have, the, I have the, 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 a fixed-term contract that cannot be extended. So I've done five years. I absolutely adore it here. Um, and I have to be gone uh, by the end of the seventh year. I, there is no way around that. And it, it's something that I, look, I have raised, and I think that it's something that we need to look at because actually in your fifth year, 
you're actually really starting to, to get your arms around things, notwithstanding the fact that we had a very disappointing weekend, and I deeply apologise for that. But if, so you, if you weren't going to this new job that you have as the chief executive at the publicly quoted food company Greencore, would you be offering your resignation as a result of what is happening now? Uh, well, I would certainly be uh, offering my deep and sincere apologies for what's going on. But this is a this is a great organisation that has ramped up from nowhere, Matt. It's had 151 days this year of growth that was way beyond any forecast we could have had. Um, and we've had two particularly bad days. One was March the 27th, uh, and the other was the Sunday that's just gone by. Um, it is inexcusable. There, there, I, I cannot apologize deeply enough, and we are compensating all people who were disrupted from that. Yes, because it it's not just the 1,400 people who on. couldn't get their flights on Sunday. And what about all the people who had spent four and five hours queuing, uh, who couldn't get to toilets, who found that uh, they couldn't get food or drink? And indeed, that's something else that's been brought up by many people. The state of the airport terminals are present. I, there's, there's a COVID pandemic we're still worried about. What about the hygiene or the lack of it in the terminals as a result of all of this? So Matt, I would say that on that that the, the entire aviation sector is really struggling for people. And in fact, as you know, not just the aviation sector, the whole experience economy, there are pubs up and down the country and restaurants uh, and hotels that can't fill uh, because they, can't, they don't have cleaning facilities or they can't get the staffing facilities or the cooking facilities. And we have exactly that same problem in the airport. We have food and beverage outlets, restaurants and bars that obviously we don't run them, but we have partners who do run them who are really struggling to get people in to work. It's really difficult to employ people at the moment up and down the country. And so we do have situations where we don't have all our food and beverage outlets open and where you've got people who are getting to the airport so much earlier than expected uh, in normal times because of their right concerns about getting through security. And therefore, you've got more people availing of, of, of our toilet facilities. And all of that has been absolutely stretched. But I, I, I put the question back, Matt, which is we could do Amsterdam and we could cut 20% of all the flights um, and we could, we, we could get everybody through in 30 minutes um, I'm not sure that's right either. Certainly what happened on Sunday is not right. Okay. I take full responsibility for that. But one final one I want to find out. Well, a couple of final yeah. things. I, I just want to clarify something in relation to the redundancy programme in 2020. Was that approved by the Department of Transport? Uh, yes, it was, uh, and the Department of what's called Deeper Public Expenditure. So were the and relevant it, ministers, did they give sign-off on it? Yes, it has to be approved. It's actually the same voluntary severance scheme program we've had in DA since 2013. Um, so it was that scheme. It wasn't changed in any shape, form or manner. So who were the ministers at the time who agreed to this and signed off on it? Oh, the Minister of Transport and um, the Minister of Public Expenditure. But, but it, it was a voluntary severance scheme like th th that we had that we, we'd had for a number of years. And I go back to the point, Matt, when you're losing a million euros a day and you're told there is no recovery until 2024 and you're utterly dependent on your own financing, we don't get anything from the government, you have a choice. You can, our net debt has doubled. We've got, we owe a billion quid already, having made so many of these savings. 
all our staff took a 20%, between 20 and 45% uh, uh, pay reduction for 11 months. We what were was your pay reduction? Good. What percentage was yours? Mine was 20%. Why not 45%? Because uh, I actually, uh, am, I don't get, I have no variable pay. So I, I, another unique quirk is uh, many people in the organization do have variable pay if they hit certain targets. A CEO of a semi-state has no variable pay. Um, so mine was 20%. Um, everybody else took a 20% cut. And, and, and in, in cases where they had variable pay, that would have been cut as well. And if I'd had variable pay, I would have been cut from that as well. So there was very difficult choices to be made. Um, and uh, and I, you know, we, we didn't let anybody go. There was no compulsory redundancies. There was no layoffs. This was voluntary. Um, and staff were thinking, what is my future in aviation? Everybody thought, look, China, Shanghai's been shut for 65 days. Like, it is, we, we, we sometimes forget that, that the virus is still out there. There is still great, it's still great uncertainty. And many people said, no, aviation's not for me. Too much risk. So if I'd known then what I know now, clearly I wouldn't have downsized to the level we were at. But Standard & Poor, Fitch, you know, there wasn't a single agency out there that said traffic wasn't going to come back until 2024. Okay. In fact, the government put a $100 million incentive package into the airlines earlier this year to incentivize traffic. So worried were they that it wouldn't come back this year. Tell us about your own experience of going through the airport on Saturday on your flight to Saudi Arabia. So um, I went to Saudi Arabia, um, where, where you, you may know, Matt, that we have a, a we, we've been we've got an international business which you have for forty years in fifteen different countries. We have a very strong business in the Middle East. I was going to the Middle East. I went out on Saturday. I got to the Middle East on Sunday morning. Obviously, we had the issue on Sunday morning, so I'd flown through the night on Sunday morning, got to the Middle East, saw what was happening. I came straight back. So. I never even got to where I was meant to get to. I took a night flight out, took a night flight back, and I was obviously back okay, in the but, office. Okay, but tell us about going through Dublin Airport. What did you see? Because did you not go through a sort of a special elite channel? So we have a number of ways of getting to, uh, a number of ways of getting through to uh, your aircraft. So we have uh, fast track, which some of your listeners will be aware of, um, which you pay an incremental cost, um, and you go through a special queue. We have normal security processing, um, which is where you don't pay that. And then we have a, 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 a program called Platinum Services, which is uh, it, it has it comes with an incremental cost, um, and it, it's like a, a, a dedicated, for, for want of a better word, um, uh, private terminal. Um, and so. I go th- when I travel. I, it depends. I could go through normal, or I could go through fast track, or I could, or I might go through platinum. It depends what I'm doing. Obviously, um, I want to see the team and talk to the team. On Saturday, I went platinum. They are a team that have been under immense pressure. In fact, best performing department um, in the airport over the last two years because obviously through COVID, a lot of people have been choosing that as an option. Uh, went through that, and as I said, flew through the night, got to. The other side, well, I never even got to my destination. Uh, yeah, okay. But the, you know, the going through this sort of platinum service contrasts with the idea that we're hearing about now for this weekend of corralling people outside. I mean, we're lucky that on Sunday it wasn't raining and that the weather, the temperature is relatively mild at present. But if you start corralling people outside and it starts to rain, 
Is that an acceptable way of treating your customers? Nah, none of this is what we want to do for customers. None of this. The alternative is, a, is, a, is an Amsterdam alternative. So what we're saying is we want to get people through as quickly as possibly. We're saying come to the airport. Um, if you're on a short-haul flight and you don't have bags to check in, come two and a half hours before. This is all on the website, and, and I, your, your listeners will see that it's very clear there. Come two and a half hours before. If you need to check a bag in, um, give yourself an extra hour, three and a half hours. But don't come four and a half or five hours before. And if there were, there were extreme amounts of passengers in the terminal, we have to have some level, some level of queue management. And we have to triage that. And what you don't want, Matt, is you to be in the queue, um, queuing for security, uh, uh, concerned that you're going to miss your flight. And there's a whole series of people ahead of you who've come in four and five hours before. Now, I understand why people are coming four and five hours before, because they're spooked and they're scared. Um, but we, we, we have to manage this. We're not in ideal circumstances. It's not what we want. We want to quickly get back to the way Dublin Airport was before, where you had a 90% certainty that you would get through security in 20 minutes. We don't have that. We don't have enough security screeners. Nobody across Europe does. We've tried to get people from Europe. We've tried to get people from the regional airports. It's very difficult at the moment. But as I said, we have a plan to recruit another 167 people, and it will get better, okay. but it's not ideal. Dalton Phillips, Chief Executive of the DAA, thank you for joining us. The last word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here.